Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Luke chapter 8 and verse 35 reads as follows. Read the New King James Version Bible. Then they went out to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his, notice what scripture called, says, how Luke records this. Now remember that Luke is a physician. So I'm sure he understood uh, better than the average person what a right mind was. So he was clothed and in his right, man, right mind. But the people around him, they were afraid. So to, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic, a transformed mind. A transformed mind. Now, I want to go back and I want to read to you. I want you to follow me as I read in Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 39. I know it may be a little lengthy, but I believe it will give us the backdrop we need to have a better understanding of what Jesus is speaking into our life today. Then they sailed to the country of the Gardenians, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, they met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. But it oftentimes seized him, and he, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swines was feeding them on the mountain. So they begged him that he would not, that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of a man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Now when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it to the, in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Let me say this to you. I believe everybody in the city and the country knew who the man was. So when they saw the miracle took place, I imagine they would have a little wonderment in their spirit. They also, verse 36, then they also who had seen it, told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gardenians asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And Luke records and he, that what happened to the man, what he actually did. The man went in his way, he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. 
Now, when we pick up this particular story, uh, Luke gives an account of a man who had what we may consider an identity crisis. And the identity crisis is someone who has goes through a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's identity becomes insecure or unclear because maybe of the stresses of life, trauma, and such like. You know, people who often deal with deeply distressing or disturbing experiences or even physical injury like child abuse, domestic abuse, violence, divorce, disasters, natural disasters, and even a pandemic can cause them to question who they are as well as their purpose in life. Sometimes people get uh, under the the assumption they're never going to go through things because they're under a certain amount of God's protection. But I've learned over the years that even though you're under God's protection, you're still going to experience life. And life is not always going to be easy. I wish I could tell you, because you're on the Lord's side, that everything's going to be a bed of flowers and you're going to have a soft landing every time and everything's just going to go your way. But unfortunately, I can't, I can't promise you that. Sometimes life is not fair to believers. Mm, that's a good word right there. Sometimes what I consider fair is not fair to believers. The only, let me say this to you, one of the main uh, assurances I have is that Jesus is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Whether the times are good or whether the times are challenging, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Trauma can bring a state of confusion in the hearts and the minds of people if they don't allow Jesus Christ to rule and reign as Lord and Savior. We can see here in the scripture when chaos and confusion is around that God is not ruled and reigning in uh, our lives as he should. Go with me to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33. The Bible reads as follows, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. The word confusion there means a state of disorder, instability, as well as disturbance. We see here that the text is telling us when Paul wrote it to the Corinthian church, if you are dealing with confusion, God is not the author of it. He's not the author of disorder. He's not the author of instability. He's not the author of disturbance. But will you be, but he is the author of peace as in all the churches of the saints. One of the things I see in that text is, is that he wants his church to have peace. Peace means tranquility and prosperity and a peace of mind. God wants our minds to be at peace, not because of everything going wonderful around us, because in the Corinthian church at that time, things were not going great in that area. But he said, you should have peace because you know me. Mm. those minds that have stayed on me, those minds will I keep in perfect peace. If you don't have peace, then who's, who's my, who, do you have, who, who do you have your mind on? Who do you have your mind on? Who do you, in, in fact, I, I had this wrote, wrote for a little bit later. I'm going to add it now. If you don't have peace, then you're giving somebody too much power. You're giving somebody too much power. If they can take your peace, if a man can take your peace, you gave them too much power. If an organization can take your peace, you gave them too much power. If a news story can take your peace, you gave them too much power. It ain't them. It's you that gave them too much power. Because the scripture tells us that God is not the author of confusion. 
But even though he's not the author of confusion, let me say this to you, even though he it, it did not it may not start it with Jesus, he can sure bring about order. He can sure bring about stability. He can correct things in his timing, no matter how difficult it may seem from a human perspective. From a human perspective, they say, you know what, it can't be done. This is going to be here for years and years and years. But from God's perspective, he got a time limit on everything. That's why, you know, we used to say back in the day, trouble don't last always. You know, because why? There's a time limit on trouble. There's a time limit on problems. There's a time limit on me being in debt. There's a time limit of me dealing with this sickness. There's a time limit we we dealing with these things in my life. And I know that God is going to bring me out. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers out of, of out of every last one of them. I'm talking about delivers out of out of uh, uh, fighting in our body, delivers out of poverty, delivers out of pandemic. He'll deliver us out of them all. Everything got a time limit on it. Whew, we can't not understand. God is the author. He's not the author of confusion, but He know how to straighten stuff out, don't he? How many can can testify to the fact that God straightened you out one day? Boy, I tell you, you, listen, some people tried to straighten you out, but when God straightened you out, you really got straight. <laughs> Boy, I just think that, that cause you know what, dude, sometimes we'll straighten out for a moment in front of somebody, but as soon as they turn their back, we'll, we'll do what we would do, plan on doing in the first place. But when God straightened you, boy, I tell you, you'll be straight. And if you mess up, you'll repent and say, God, you know what, I messed up. I'm so sorry, God, let me get this thing right. Now, well, in fact, one of the indicates of God's presence is on the scene is that his presence brings peace, it brings quietness, it brings safety, and it brings prosperity. God's peace is the opposite of rage and behavior. Now, let's go to Luke 8, 26 and 28, because I want to read that to you, because I want us to get um, familiar again with this encounter that Luke provides for us. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadeans, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out of the land, they met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. So we see the state of this, of confusion that this demon possessed man was in who walked around with no clothes and lived in a tomb or a cave. This man's condition was, cause I, I still can't get over this. I, I, I still can't get over the welcome committee that Jesus got when he got to this city. Instead of him meeting somebody would put a little, uh, lay around him, somebody met him with the walked in around and with no clothes on, demon possessed, and lived in a cave. That was his welcome committee to this city. I only know it, it was his first time going to this city, but we do know when he got there, we know who met him when he got off the boat. Stepped off the boat, and there that man was. Whew. You know, but he met the right one, though. <laughs> Some of us would have been aghast. I can't believe that these people are here. What kind of area is this right here? But didn't this surprise Jesus, did it? You know, Jesus didn't even blink an eye, did he? He, like, he met this man like, whoo. That took, that show you the power of Jesus. You know, some of us have been aghast. I can't believe what kind of people are around here in this area. But not Jesus. Jesus met him and he did something about it. Now, there's a certain man that got, 
so off track in his thinking that he did not realize even care about his physical appearance, nor did he care about being around living people because he lived in tombs or he lived in what we consider caves. Now, this is very similar uh, when you read this and where you get this reference from when talking about the caves is that when Lazarus died, they put him in a cave. And remember that the, uh, the disciples came and they rolled back the stone so that Jesus could go and call Lazarus out of the cave. This is the kind of place where this man lived at on a regular basis. On a regular basis, that's where he lived at. And so he had been through what we consider a, a mental challenge, a mental challenge. And, and understand something, too. Mental challenge was not just limited to this man here. There are people all around that have all types of challenges in their mind, all types of challenges. And you got to watch out because the enemy likes to isolate people from those who love them. Those who will pray for them. And he'll give, and see, the enemy works all false. He'll send faults in your mind that'll say something like, don't nobody want to be bothered with you. He'll send faults in your mind like, let everybody else go ahead. I don't want to be with these people. He'll send faults in their mind like, I just want to be alone. Even though the Holy Spirit is telling you, you need to be with some more people. But the enemy will bring about these kind of thoughts in your head. And men would agree that the person finds comfort, and when they find comfort living in the graveyard, and, and that they're dealing with some type of mental or spiritual or physical state of chaos or, or and confusion. But Jesus is a life giver, despite the fact that the thief desires to bring about death by stealing, killing, and destroying. Jesus desires that we have the abundant life. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 10, and verse 10. The book of John, chapter 10, and verse 10. As you get it, let me read it to you. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and, but he said, I've come that may have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life, that means that they have a superior life. That life that gives them the advantage or goes beyond measure. An encounter with Jesus would change us from a mindset of death and destruction. Destruction to a mind of to a life filled with supernatural advantage and opportunities. One of the great things about God is God will give you opportunities that no man can shut. Good God Almighty. Woo! I'm telling you, he opened up some doors for you. And, and can I prophesy to two or three people in the sanctuary? God has opened up doors for you that no man can shut. I know the enemy want to, want to close it on you because he don't want you to get that raise. He don't want you to get that promotion. He don't want you to get that increase because he knows you're going give, to give glory to God and tell other people about the goodness of Jesus in the land of the living. But he can't stop what God is going to do in your life that raise, that promote that increase, that ownership, that, oh, good God Almighty, I'm prophesying to somebody in this sanctuary. Yeah, I know we're in a pandemic, but I believe God is greater than the pandemic. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I believe God is doing exceedingly, abundantly above. Oh, you finna get a check in the mail. You gonna get a promotion. You gonna get a phone call that you wasn't expecting because of God. 
Woo! Give the Lord a hand of praise for that right there. Mm. And, and let me say, that was for somebody in this sanctuary. That was for somebody in this sanctuary. Now, this man in Luke 8 was transformed by his revelation of Jesus, which delivered him to the point that the Lord trusted him to share the good news of Jesus Christ by telling others of the great things that he has done. And you remember, that's what the man done. You remember when, G- when Jesus came there? And again, I'm going to keep repeating because we need to understand. When Jesus got off the boat, the man that met him was uh, basically he wasn't in his right mind. He was in his right mind. But by the time Jesus left, this man, the Bible said, Luke recorded, he had the right mind. He had a right mind. And I truly believe that God wants us to have a right mind. Everybody say a right mind. All right, now, let's look let's look a little closer at what takes place in this man's life. We won't be able to get everything in it, and let me say this to you, there's so much in this particular scriptures that I I've, I've just been amazed by. But let's go a little further. Transformation is the process of changing from one form into another. Transformation is the process of changing from one form into another. Now, we can also expect the enemy, Satan, demon spirits, the world, and such like, to oppose godly transformation. Look at Luke 8 and 27. The book of Luke chapter 8 and verse 27. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in the house, but in the tombs. One of the things that I learned from this text is that transformation is going to take place in one of two ways. You're going to be transformed to get closer to Jesus, or you're going to be transformed to get closer, I mean, further away from Jesus. You can't stay the same. You cannot stay the same. Understand this, this goes not just in your relationship with Jesus, but any type of relationship you're going to be in, you can't remain on lukewarm, or excuse me, and just going and no, nothing affect you one way or another. You're going to either transform closer to Jesus, or you're going to transform further away from Jesus. Now let me say this, for those who are transformed away from Jesus, ask God to forgive you and repent and start making your way back to Jesus. All right, everybody understand this. Because if you live long enough, some probably going to get or do something to you that's going to take you away from Jesus. You're not going to like what you're going through. You know, one thing, when I looked at Job's life, Job could have easily said, you know what? This stuff is for the birds. I got to go through something like this. I'm telling you, I, this is my, this, Job didn't say that, y'all, okay? This is just Richard Dobbs looking at Job, okay? Job could have looked at that and said, man, this is for the birds. I've been trying to serve Jesus the right way. Because the Bible even starts off telling, talking about how Job was an upright man. He did right. When the Bible says you upright, you upright. Because the Bible ain't going to lie for nobody. If you was a liar and a cheater, the Bible say you're a liar and a cheater. All right? Now, I mean, it, it ain't going to lie. But Job was doing what's right, and all the tragedy that took place on a conversation he was not even a part of. He couldn't even defend himself talking about, you know what, God, I hate. Remember me, God? I'm the one who sacrificed you. I'm the one who loves you. I'm the one that respects you. But no, listen, he wasn't even part of the conversation, couldn't even defend himself, but yet he went through the trial and the situation, and he came out on top. I can imagine when he went through everything he went through, he came out and said, man, forget all this. 
I'm trying to do right and everything happened to me like this. Please, y'all keep all this Christianity stuff. Y'all keep this Jesus stuff. I can do bad all by myself. I mean, you can do, I mean, you got a mindset you can, you can have. But Job did not. Job kept the right mindset. And everything that he went through, he kept the right mindset. And what he went through to me was horrendous. But he kept the right mindset. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you go through trials and tribulation, do you keep the right mindset? When things don't go your way, do you still keep the right mindset? Come, Some of us have not even been through nothing like what Job went through. But yet, we do we keep the right mindset? Do we say, hey, this Jesus thing is for the birds? This church thing is not working out the way I thought it should. This giving thing is not working the way I thought it should. This praying thing is not working the way that I thought it should. Because when I pray, it seems like things get worse before they get better. But God said you keep on. Listen, all things are working together for your good because you love God and you called according to your purpose. Listen, he'll turn the heart of the king any which way he can. He'll turn it around for your, on your behalf. Listen, you, listen, don't you give up on God because God got a plan for you. He got something he going to do for you. He got eye. Oh, God, have you seen eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, everything that entered to the heart of man. But don't give up on God and God won't give up on you. He got a plan for you. How you know, Pastor? Jeremiah 29 told me. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. To give you hope. To give you an expected end. I know the plans. And I know sometimes it can get tough doing what we do for God. It can get tough because sometimes everybody, I, I, listen, even Pastor Dobbs has been through seasons where I did not see what what God was promising me. But you know what I had to do? I had to keep on going. Somebody say, keep on going. In fact, look around the room. Don't touch nobody. Just tell them, keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Keep on going. Oh, that enemy want to stop you, but you got to keep on going. You got to keep on praying. You got to keep on giving. You got to keep on fasting. You got to keep on studying scripture. You got to keep on going. Because the enemy don't want you to go. Because he opposes what God wants to do in your life. He opposes. Because the demon, demons in this particular text means evil spirits. And the definition we've been dealing with, I want to deal with it further this morning, is messengers who are inferior to Jesus Christ. Messengers who are inferior to Jesus Christ. This man had received a lot of ongoing thoughts and messages from the enemy or demons to the point that they had taken over his life. I had to ask the question, when the enemy sends an inferior message, what's the purpose of this inferior message? One of the things I believe the Holy Spirit revealed to me, this is my opinion, is that the purpose of an inferior message is to get you further away from Jesus. The purpose of an inferior message is to get you further away from Jesus. That's why he's told us in the, in the text, in, in the book of Proverbs, I believe it says, guard your heart. Guard it. You got to guard it because the enemy going to try to send thoughts at your mind to get you away from Jesus, to get you away from not, not only Jesus, but the things that Jesus represents. 
Because he said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. So he's going to get me, listen, he's trying to get me away from my church. Because that is, is, uh, that's going to, listen, that's not going to be good for his, for the saints. One of the things I see and that I'm praying for is, and I see it in an underlying way, is that the enemy is trying to get God's people away from his church. I see that across the land. And I'm saying, and I'm praying for churches everywhere. Not just our church, but I'm praying for churches everywhere. Because I see the work of the enemy. I see the work of the enemy. And what's sad is when mature folks play into the hands of the enemy. That's what bothers me. It's when mature folks play into the hands of the enemy. So you got to be led by the omniscient God. Now, one thing about this particular person, when you receive inferior messages, is that you no longer care about basic necessities of life, such as clothing, shelter, the need to interact with people. Then, then we have to look at this from this particular perspective. When you receive a message from the inferior ones, the inferior ones will represent demon spirits and those that have developed a mindset that causes us not to care about important and basic necessities of life. One of the questions that the Holy Spirit began to deal with me about is this. What happens when you receive an inferior message? Do you entertain it or you do you are you are you are you start training your mind to cast that thought down? Because if you live long enough, you're gonna get an inferior message. Either directly or indirectly from the enemy. He'll use somebody to give you an inferior message. He will speak an inferior message. The Bible calls it the wiles of the devil. Wiles or thoughts that come at your head. They said, you know what? That's not right. Or something subtle. You ain't got to do all that. Just give it about 20% effort. You'll be all right. When the enemy knows, he's just trying to get you away from Jesus. Those thoughts, ideas, and suggestions we have decided to listen to can cause us to see life in ways that we may not have imagined. And those ways can bring about more harm to us than we can uh, imagine or realize. For example, a pessimistic mindset will have a person living in fear, unbelief, frustration, and can lead to a state of anger and resentment toward others. Pessimistic can be defined as tending to see the worst aspect of things. A negative thinking or belief that the worst is going to happen. Boy, it's, it's sad. It's hard to be around folks. All they see is the negative. It's hard to have a conversation. Every time you talk to them, all they see is, God, you know it's a bad thing for to happen. Soon as you go to the doctor, you're going to the doctor because, you know, something wrong with your leg. When they come back and say, you got that stuff, boy? Because <laughs> that's the mindset of people. You have to be careful with people. Listen, let me tell you something. You ain't gonna live long enough till you go into the doctor about your eye and everybody else thinks you're going and you got that stuff. Pessimistic. Negative mindset. Negative mindset. Or even if you do, by some means, catch it, they're gonna walk you to your grave. Not, but not like, like God can't heal. Like God can't deliver somebody. And if he do, I got a place in heaven somewhere. Boy, you can't let stuff bring you in fear and in bondage.
Because fear will have me you messed up, boy. Fear will have you making decisions in your life that are not even remotely near what God's plan is for your life. Remember when we read this text we talked about last week that fear caused the people in that area not to be delivered because of fear. They could have brought all the people that were demon-possessed, sick in their body, going through mental oppression and depression, brought them to Jesus, and they would have been healed. But no. You know what they told? Get out of here, Jesus. I'm afraid of you. You will messed up my money. That's what they basically were telling you are messed up my money. I know that sounds familiar, but let me just leave that alone. But you are messed up my money. You got to leave this area. And so now, now, the individuals get, did not get what they could have got because of what the people feared. Now, it's difficult to work around pessimistic people. At times, they, see, they find out, they look at what's, you got 85% right, but they only focus in on the 15% wrong. They will make a case out of 15% wrong. I want to go back to this story. I know it's an old story, but I got to go back to it. I got to go back to the old story. Y'all mind if I go back to the old story real quick? Y'all mind? You mind, brother? I'm glad you don't mind everybody that's going to listen to our story right quick. I remember that time. If I told you our story at the time, I cleaned the whole house one day. My wife came home. All she saw was that one cup sitting in the sink. I had swept. I had mopped. I had vacuumed. I had took out the trash. I had washed all the dishes. But see, you got thir- I got thirsty. Brother working that hard. You know what I mean, brother? Working that hard. And I got a cup and left it in the sink. Boy, all I heard about was that cup sitting in the sink, boy. I think, oh, God. I t- I'm going to keep going that story. I never said that. never she got up him. That's my problem right there. Right there. And my baby girl got me better. <laughs> all I heard about was that one cup. We did, I did all this work, and all we focused in, in my mind, was 5% of the whole thing that was going on. Miss, to me, 95%. I'm like, what in the world? I cleaned the whole house, and now you get fucking one cup sitting in the cup, in the sink. But you can focus in on 5% or 15% as we're saying here, and miss out on all the 85% that's going around. Y'all see the thing here? And this is what we need to understand, that pessimistic people, they look, at, they look at the small stuff and they miss out on everything that God is doing in their life. They miss out on what God is doing. Now, understand this. You can find yourself in bondage to negative mindset that probably develops because they continue, and I highlight this, this word here, continue to listen and engage in conversation with inferior Demons or inferior mindset people. Some of us can remember the times when uh, you or you know somebody. Let's say this. Everybody say know somebody. Now you know somebody who, when they were young and they was in love and they couldn't live without him or her. They don't want to hear nothing you had to say. They didn't need to be born again and need to grow up in Jesus. It was not until when the stresses of life kicked in, and you know sooner or later. Financial stress is going to try to kick in. Communication stress is going to try to keep in. Trust issues is going to try to kick in. Responsibility issues is going to try to keep kick in to the point that it causes the marriage to be in crisis and divorce is on the table. They got that phrase, ir- irreconcilable differences. And they're saying, I'll no longer want to be married to you. If kids involved, y'all figured it out and let me know. 
I may or may not be in touch with you. And you, could, you try to put child support on everything, they still going to look at you funny. That person, will, they found themselves in love. And not now, because they have not, they did not allow the Holy Spirit to guide them, they find themselves in unforgiveness, fear, bitterness, resentment, insecurities, and so forth. They cause the state of confusion that marriage got them in. All the main thing they have to do is repent and ask God to forgive them and get back on track. Let me tell you something. I pray that nobody gets in a bad relationship in this sanctuary. But in case you do, just repent. It ain't the end of the world. You ain't going to be the first or the last one to get in a bad relationship. Sometimes we're just, we're just mesmerized by outward appearance. We got to be careful. We got to go further than skin deep. And Pastor, what can you say about that? You married somebody pretty. Well, I, I was blessed. I, I was blessed. I, I mean, I was just—I was blessed because she could have easily fooled me, and I've been to this. But she turned out to be a holy woman. Y'all follow me? Did I fix that up, brother? All right. All right. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. We'll make sure I got your approval before I moved on here. All right. See, the chaos confusing opens the chat line to ongoing messages from inferior, dark, ungodly forces from the enemy, demon spirits, person with pessimistic mindsets as reasons why they should not forgive that spouse because th- that mindset feeds bitterness, resentment, insecurities, and so forth. You don't want to give a man or woman that much power over your life. You don't want to give a man or woman that much power over your life. Yeah, I know it hurts. Yeah, I know you're bitter and mad and so forth. But you got to allow the Holy Spirit to help you to be healed. That's why Luke 4 and 18 is so powerful. The Spirit of the Lord upon me. And I'm, I'm going to basically just put it like this. He has healed the broken hearted. He knows how to do that. Now, we must continue to listen to, we, we, when we continue to listen to dark force can cause our minds to be shackled and bound with mental change, just as the man was in Luke 8, 29, we just read. A person can, listen, a person can appear free on the outside, but inwardly their minds could be a battleground for oppression, depression, anger, rage, and even thoughts of suicide. Let me say this. You're too valuable to commit suicide. Suicide, what's interesting to me, is in this area, is more relevant than murders are. Which is sad. But it's reality of it. And so the thing is, we got to pray against the spirit of suicide. Got to bind that spirit up and cast it out. Because this is the thing that doesn't go, listen, suicide is not just uh, bound to a certain race or religion or color of skin or anything, it'll happen to anybody. And we must make sure that we're praying against that spirit. And if the enemy brings those thoughts at your mind, you got to cast that thing down to believe the word of God. See, mental bondage is real. Mental bondage is real. Bondage is not having the will to obey, to be psychologically restrained. And see, this is what you need to understand. Sometimes you can hear ungodly messages that cause you to be in bondage. And sometimes it even comes through certain teachings or certain doctrines that we, 
that cause us to miss out on the presence of Jesus in our lives. Certain teachers such as miracles for, for the Bible days and not today. That is a misconception of scriptures because miracles are for today. The Bible says this, that miracles start in the house of God. And they started here. They may manifest in your job. They may manifest in your home. They may manifest when you're shopping. But I know God is working miracles in this sanctuary. Every last one of us got a miracle that's happening in our life right now. Well, Pastor, I don't see it. I believe God says I load you daily with benefits. You ought to be grateful for the daily benefits that God gives us on a day-by-day basis. So now. Another thing you got to watch out for is some people tell you that praise should be reserved for those of certain religions or certain denominations. Well, praise is for everybody. Everybody should be able to clap their hands for Jesus. Everybody should be able to turn in victory for Jesus. Everybody don't should mind leaping for Jesus. If you don't do it here, you got a house you can leap for Jesus for. You got a car you can give God praise in. You got, listen, you can clap your hands while you're sitting at the traffic light. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, listen, you ain't never rode long enough till you got to a traffic light and said, Woo, thank you, Lord. I didn't hit nobody, then nobody hit me. You ain't never been distracted while you're riding. Thank y'all. I'm the only one in the sanctuary. Let pray for me, y'all. I need help. The phone distract me, uh, people distract me. Sometimes I ride and hit that little boom, 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 boom. What in the world that come from? Yeah, see, y'all know about that boom, boom, boom. Y'all, y'all don't drive like I do. Y'all stay in that line, that, that, that in, in between the yellow lines all the time. Every now and then, hit that boom, 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 boom on my, on my car. And, and I realized that it wasn't the car fault neither. It wasn't the devil. That was me. And I had to say, God, thank you. Thank you. Oh, just yesterday, we were riding uh, to Carrollton yesterday. And somebody pulled out in front of my wife. I, and, and when they got by, I said, oh, God, I said, God thank you. I said, thank you. I said, thank you, God. Ooh, appreciate you, Jesus, keeping that car. Keeping her, most importantly, than anything else. Thank you, Father. So they'll tell you miracles are for that day, not for today. That praise is for then, but not for now. But praise is for now. And this we got to be careful about. You become so busy living life or making a living that we miss out on the presence of Jesus in our homes, our businesses, our jobs, our schools, our families, and so forth. So too busy to realize and recognize his power in our lives. Now, as we refer back to today's text, we can see the importance of discovering Jesus and seeing his presence operating in our lives. That's why when the man got around Jesus, the demons recognized him. Let's go back to Romans 8, excuse me, Luke 8 and 28. Luke 8, 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. So when he saw Jesus, when the demons recognized him, discovered or discerned or understood that it was Jesus, they cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice. Notice they were not even quiet. They said it with a loud voice. What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of a most high God? I beg you, do not torment me, harass me, distress me. And notice this, they even knew that Jesus could cause them pain. That's why when you start binding up devils in the name of Jesus and cast them out, they want to leave because they don't want their spirits to pain. Now, we as humans can't put pain on demons, but Jesus can put pain on demons. You can't shoot a demon. You can't cut a demon. You can't hit it with a baseball bat. I know you would like to, and you can't. That's why you cannot render evil for evil. 
you got to follow peace with all men. But, but Jesus knows how to do it. Are y'all following me here? We have to be able to see and understand Jesus in situations and circumstances during the good as well as the challenging times. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And so we have to recognize him. Now, I want to go through one more passage of scripture and I'm going to close it out for today. Understanding is powerful and can be a game changer. Let's go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Proverbs 3 and 5 reads this false. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And he shall direct your path. So he wants us to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Be bold, be confident, and be secure in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. That's why he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, recognize, discover, and discern, and understand, for he will direct your path. Now, I want to say this to you. One of the things I thought about in this particular text is this man's mindset. From, and, and not just his, mind, his self-esteem issues. His self-esteem issues. I can imagine that people, I, now this is me, this is me thinking about this man. I can imagine people in the neighborhood or around him, some people probably reached out to help him. They reached out to help him. And they probably got, got him some clothes, got him something to eat, got him, listen, started back on his pathway. And then somebody that wasn't led by the all-knowing God, somebody that, that had something to say, somebody that, you know, going to keep it 100. Somebody, I just got to tell the truth, type person. Somebody that got always got something to say, said something to the man that calls him to go back. And see, I've lived long enough to be on both sides of that. I've said things to hurt people, and I had to repent when I had the opportunity. And also, I've received messages from people. That caused my self-esteem to be put down. Anytime that you get, you start making steps forward and your, and your self-esteem is in a low place, the enemy can use somebody or even you just not built up. You, you only got about 10% reserve. But somebody come and step on that 10% and crush your emotions. Crush what you're going through. Crush you to the point that it takes the Lord to get you back. Because remember, one thing about this man, sometimes he would be carried out into the wilderness. The demons that carried him out into the wilderness. Think about this for a moment. Anytime you, you carry it out in your mind, see, nobody knows when you've been carried out in your mind. Nobody knows. Listen, you sit here looking at me, but your mind been carried out. You Listen, you on your job, you smiling at people, but your mind been carried out. You at your house, you're in your relationship, but because what you've been going through, your mind has been carried out. You've been carried out. And now the enemy says, I got you now. Yeah, I know you. Listen, they see your physical body, but your mind been carried away. You say, what's the use? I, I keep trying, and every time I try, somebody got something to say about the way I try. It always ain't good enough. 
It always, again, we talk about that pessimistic mindset. You went there at 90%, but somebody got the, all they talk about is the 10% you haven't done. Can you imagine that man who had, listen, probably had made some steps. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, y'all. This is just me thinking about this man. Because you got to understand, the Bible says he was demon-possessed for a long time. That means he had been through a number of emotional changes. He had been through a number of changes in his mind. I can imagine that sometimes he had probably gotten back up, maybe gotten a job for a moment, and all of a sudden he had gotten back and he had started to live. You know what? It thought about getting himself an apartment or something. I know he got no apartment back there. Y'all just follow me. Just come with me for a moment. Come on, come with me. I'm going to leave this cave. I'm going to leave. Uh, listen, because can you imagine? If he lived in the cave, he probably had some possessions in the cave. He wasn't just in the cave. He had some stuff in the cave. And can you imagine? He was living in the cave, and he was doing this and the other. And he said, you know what? I'm going to take my stuff and get me an apartment. I've been to find me a little small place to live in. It ain't going to be nothing big. About this size right here. Got a bathroom over here. A little kitchenette right here. I can sleep right here. No, sleep right here. I can just be just, I got my own place now. And then somebody said, ooh, look at that little small place you got. You know how folks are. Always got something to say. I ain't got a clue what they talking about unless they know Jesus and this is what you got to understand. I'm not bashing because understand, I have been that person out here criticizing that person. I got, and they, they, they'll say, well, dog, I was trying. I'm like, oh, God, I felt so bad. I said, God, you know what? I said that out of my flesh, out of my emotions, and I did not follow your God. And though, now, because I understand, going from the cave over to this little apartment. It's a big step for that person who's been through torment their whole life, a, mo- a long time. Now, they got this little apartment, and now you got the nerve to criticize them. Can't nobody live in nothing like that. Can't nobody do that. Because all we got something to say about somebody's progress. When nobody has looked at your mirror and said, you know what? You all look at yourself sometime. No, Jesus made a very important statement. He said, listen, why are you pointing your finger at everybody else when you got all this pointing back at you? I'm paraphrasing it. Why don't you, listen, get the stuff out of your eye before you start trying to get the stuff out of my eye. Because people will point at you when you're trying to make progress. And because you're not on their level, they will criticize you. They will say, you know what, you could do a whole lot better. And you probably could, but let me say, thank God for the progress you have made. You got to look at what progress people have made and be led by the all-knowing God. When you make, when you, before you open up your mouth and start saying something about this, that, and the other. I always get amazed when people start criticizing other people, especially when they come to me because I look at them, I look at them like, I know they ain't saying nothing. Come over two weeks ago, they were. Understand, when you start making progress in God, when you start doing what's right in God, let, 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 let me close with this. Let me close in this statement here, or explaining this last statement. When you're making progress to get your mind right, it's not always going to be easy. When you transform your mind, it's not always going to be easy. I would tell you, 
that, that everybody's going to be happy for you and you're not going to have opposition. But those demons ain't going to give up you that give you up that easy. They are not going to give you up that easy. They want you. Because they had you for a long time. You've been a good one for them. But one thing about it, whom the Son is made free, is free indeed. But when you're free, good God Almighty. Woo! Jesus can make you free, boy. I know you're free to worship him in spirit and in truth. You're free to give. You're free. Listen, listen, listen. Freedom says this. Yeah, I yeah, I know you criticized my little apartment right here, but listen, look what God done for me. I used to be in the cave. Now I got an apartment. And if you ain't careful, I will have your house, an apartment complex. I will own a whole block of houses. I live in one and rent out the rest of them. I have some cars and houses and lands because God is transforming my mind to think, to talk, and to be better than it was before. That is a transformed mind. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.